shit of weird music. I'll just um, So what's the music? It's called Rusky Wig Out. <laughs> and it's, it's the, there's the cover just there. Oh, the, yeah. There's like Russian robotic monsters with like carrying women around, you know, like 50 style. <laughs> but, um, Welcome to the Hop Podcast. My name is James Hopkin and this episode is something special and a bit different. I am talking to skateboard collector Andrew Morsell. And how do I describe Andy? He would be the the Willy Wonka of skateboard collecting. He's this crazy artistic genius that has never grown up. I met Andy about five years ago when I was selling down the Hop Shop collection. And that was a skateboard collection that I had up on the walls of the Hop Shop. Some of you might remember it. Andy was one of those collectors that beat a path to my door. Went through the boards, my collection, asked questions, falling in love with various skateboards I had. We both have a favorite collecting era. And it's late, well, sort of early to late 70s Australian skateboards. That was like an amazing time for skateboarding. Both Andy and I, part of that second wave of skateboarders, I think they call it the second wave. We learnt to skateboard at that time. Surf culture had a huge influence on skateboarding then. And I suppose the last five years, Andy and I have stayed in touch. You might have seen me over the years promoting his skateboard projects that are more like art than skateboards. And in this episode, we talk about those and future projects that he's working on. But what makes Andy different to other collectors is his passion, not just for the skateboards, but the manufacturing process. Not satisfied that he can't find a 1970s fiberglass skateboard, he makes one. Consults with original factory managers, uses the same surfboard factories, and rediscovers lost techniques and methods. I mean, it's amazing. That's what makes this an extraordinary interview. I love stories. I love telling stories. And the best stories about history. And this episode is chocked full of history. I mean, one of them is something that I've never really shared before. And that is the Lost Nat Young surfboard, uh, skateboard. And you'll hear all about that. Probably the rarest surfer Sam there is. And... We found it. I can't say we, but I mean, I started off the journey because I told Andy the story and we talk about that. The companion piece to this podcast is the show notes and it's on the blog. All the skateboards we talk about, I photograph, they're in order of appearance. You can literally follow along and see what I see and what we talk about. There are extra notes I've added in that give a little bit more detail. I hope you enjoy this episode. You, you basically get to live a morning in my life, in my shoes, and uh, meet one of the crazy characters I spend my time with. Skateboarding, oh, it's such a wonderful life. And uh, this is just a great episode. Anyway, enjoy my conversation with Andy. So, this is an interesting uh, episode of the Hop Podcast. I have Andrew Morsell. We're not going to disclose our current location because I'm sitting amongst, <laughs> I'm sitting amongst uh, probably a bunch of priceless skateboards. More in the garage. So, uh, something I ask everyone that comes on the podcast: What was your first skateboard? Uh, unfortunately, it was a Surfer Sam. 
Why unfortunately? Well, they're rubbish. You know, the, the, the trucks are, that, like Fred Flintstone made them, they're just junk and you couldn't even write, you couldn't even stand on it. It just flipped over and I just left it there and walked away, just left it there. And after that, uh, I got a Walton's skateboard, just like moulded fibreglass resiny thing. It was just junk, really. But at least you could ride it. And my best friend in the street rolled up on a new Bane 27-inch that his uncle brought him from South America. And he, he was an instant skateboard expert just because he had the board. And I rode it and I thought, oh, no. <laughs> How am I ever going to get one of these? And now I've got like 40 or 50 of them. So. so having a really bad skateboard when you're a kid didn't put you off skateboarding? No, no, it just, it, it still um, inspired you because you still, it, it was, it's sort of like um, like a, your first bike. It, it gets you mobile, it gets you out of the house, you can escape, you know, so um, any type of skateboard still works, but just the cool ones compared to what other people have. Um, you know, like, it, it's there's a hierarchy, whoever's got the best skateboard, obviously, or the coolest or the, the latest is obviously the king at the skate park or wherever you are but that that was pre this is all pre-vertical skateboard and this is just like rolling around doing tricks you know like in the early days with fiberglass so so we're talking early 70s yeah 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 where when fiberglass and urethane was just you know like a big deal and uh you know you, you could I, I bought my first metaflex wheels um from from a chemist they, they were for sale in the chemist like you could buy air gun bullets at your local barber shop then <laughs> and air darts that were completely deadly and could kill but they were in a big jar one cent each it was just a colorful display at the barber shop you know get a haircut get some bullets you know the, the, that's the way it was back then you know so what was the first board that you collected um, I would say it was a bane because of those strong memories of, um, you know, I was trying to remember what my, my, my friend's board was, you know, like exactly was it 27, was it 24, it wasn't 30 because he was so short. And um, I was trying to remember the trucks and, and I wanted to get the, you know, the wide modern bane trucks. Uh, and when, when we're talking about bane, I'm talking about American bane, not the Australian made copies like the Bain Superflex, um, etc. So, um, yeah. That's, and when do you think that was? I guess that was 73, 74. No, no, no. When did you try to collect it? When was the first board you collected? Like, was that like 10 years ago or? Oh, yeah. I guess it was about 15, about 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And the market's changed a lot since then. It certainly has. <laughs> yeah, everything's got super rare and don't even try to get a 30-inch Bane slalom board now. Just forget it. It just, you know, you can get a 27, but the 30s were like low production. and um, But they're usually good when you find them because they weren't used for doing tricks. Mm. You know, they were, they were used for just downhill. And they're usually in great condition because those riders have, you know, put their foot and slow down before they smash into a wall or a hay bale or whatever so yeah when you get them they're good so when you're talking about 30 inch boards we're talking 
this that's a 30 inch board yeah i've got some more down in the garage but they're just the standard poltruded fiberglass this is uh, a bain honeycomb with the early logo even though it should have the later italic logo like it is on the grip tape here but this board well this is a once in a lifetime board i found out after i bought it i wisely made an offer to a guy that thought i was insane when i offered him the amount of money i did but shortly after we found out there was only 50 of these boards made in total so how is this one made well this is extruded um, aluminium and then it's in the aluminium honeycomb model it's called is is impregnated with a like a, a polyester type black plastic to seal up the holes and then it's sandwiched top and bottom with uh, white fiberglass so do you think they've then so do you think they've then cut the shape Yes, they've cut the shape. It's all from the Bain surf, uh, water ski program. That's what this board is derived from. They made the water skis. They were successful, and I thought, oh, well, since we're making boards, let's, let's do a few. And the 30-inch boards were made to order, but the 27-inch kicktails were just made and sent out to shops and then sold and they disappeared. But in total, th- these, this particular board was made for... Um, uh, a Bain team rider in 1977 he used this at the Magic Mountain do you know which rider? yeah his name is Rick Leclerc and he sold boards on eBay before but this one was sold at a professional skateboard swap meet in uh, San Antonio I think it was and do you think he raced slalom or do you think it was a downhill? Uh, it, he did. He used it at trick events as a Bain team rider whenever they went on the road, but he used it professionally also in uh, downhill events. And what what sort of year do you think that's going to be? It'd be 70, 78, 79 maximum, but they made this specifically for him. So um, th- that's what's special about it. And he's actually just replied... Um, and and mentioned where, about these events because I bought it before I I knew where he was and he has he's got so many aliases. <laughs> we thought he was in witness protection, so we did. <laughs> we were trying to find out where the hell he where he was, but all of a sudden, out of the blue, he he must have just sent an email from some um, random computer that he just walked into someone's house and sent it, and then ran back to his truck. But, um, it's so it's got, really unusual grip tape. It's almost it's like the earliest grip tape that there, I think there is. It's yeah, more it's like sandpaper. Sandpaper, yeah. It's exactly. It looks like sandpaper, and, it, it's, and br- it's sort of strangely brown and black mixture. But it's got the italic logo on the top, which, when you see production pictures or the advertisement for the honeycomb, the grip tape is is straight up. It's the it's the old logo, mm. and on the underside. That logo is printed with a honeycomb symbol up here. Mm. But this has got the early logos that they printed on the, the protruded boards with, a, with a, like a, a, a rainbow effect, mm. which is very unusual. It's supposed to be black. Mm. So I think because it's for him, it, it may have been to his specifications. So um, Yeah, it's got a very big wheelbase. Oh, for sure. And he had uh, DK51 stickers here. And you can see he's had them around this way and he's flipped them and put them around the other way at different times. But 
I've got about 30 of those original stickers now. They're always blue or red. So I'll be putting those back on once we've got the board polished and if I can figure a way to rebuild the nose. But it's you can see the aluminium, oh, yeah. the honeycomb of it. That's the only place you'll find it. Wow. But he has neatly, as he's used it, he's cut his own little wheel wells. Just yeah. very beautifully. It almost you, looks factory. Yeah. Do you, he's done that himself, do you think? Yeah, just from actual use. Isn't oh, that perfect? Right. Yeah. Yeah, because the boards come smooth like that. They never have this. So we're assuming that that's what he did. And we've also asked him if he wants to sell any more boards. And he said not at this time. So we'll probably never ever hear from him ever again. But yeah, I got a picture of him. So okay, I'm pulling another board out of the collection. This is. Are we are we allowed to talk about this one? Yeah, sure. <laughs> a very bold choice of yours, I must say. <laughs> this is called the Little Nipper, and it was made from a water ski. Is that right? Yes, yeah. It's an old wooden water ski from the 60s and it's really gnarled wood, all damaged. And But I'm, I'm resurfacing it, but trying not to remove too much of the original um, patina out of it and, and a lot of the damage. So you've it. made your own skateboard and it's basically in the shape out of... Out of the flat section of a water ski because, of course, it's going to curve up or going to do crazy things but if when you're trying to make a skateboard out of a water ski you're trying to cut a section you're trying to cut a section which is the flattest with with the least amount of damage on it uh like holes for the foot wells and and the mechanical bits and pieces that slide around on the board so you're trying to get a nice clean piece and i managed to do it with that except for the the left and right sides which I've routed out and then inlaid a piece of the same wood from the same board back into it and then machined it back Oh, you again. did those inlays? Yeah. Well, the, these pieces in here, right. I, 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 I inserted them both in and then re-machined it back to where it's all been routed. It's, and it's pretty seamless. And it's in the shape of a Mitch Farrelly, not a, the size of a Mitch Farrelly, but like a little mini Mitch Farrelly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not uh, it's not like a competition Mark II, but it's uh, it's it's not not bad. It's n- not a bad shape. I mean, I didn't trace off a midget Farrelly or anything, but um, I had it in mind when I I marked out the shape, and uh, yeah, it just got cut out in a bandsaw. Then we sanded it smooth, checked it for um, mirror image, and then and then routed it once it was right. But the the screen printed image of the little nipper um, was riding originally riding a um, a water ski, and I turned it into a skateboard and adjusted his hands so they weren't holding on the that guide rope thing. I just changed his fingers so he looks like he's just. It looks like a baby with a nappy on riding a skateboard on Hangin' Five. He's in, he's the most insane kid. He's probably just based on the owners. Cause look at the look at the the profile of the face. That that's the ugliest baby in the world. So it's obviously based on the owner. So I mean, do you worry that one day 
like this is going to be passed on to someone or someone's going to buy this and they're going to spend a lifetime trying to figure out what it was or to find they other might, books? They might very well do that and they'll, be, uh, they'll waste a lot of time. <laughs> they should just accept it for what it is. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of... Um, I actually, you can see there's a, a circle there and there's damage here. I have the original uh, paper um, insert for that. Oh. So I, I might put it back on, but that sort of it, it it has more to do with the company's name on it. So, so why why do a project like this? Like, how many hours has gone into this? Probably about twenty, thirty hours, I'd say, and it's not even finished. <laughs> so, so why? <laughs> because it's beautiful, and and I love early wooden wooden Australian boards, and I just thought, how could you? You know, like as a water ski, no one wants them. But as that, with that beautiful original print of the little nipper, um, it, it, you know, it, it, it begged me to to immortalise it. I, I, and I would you would you sell it? Like, is this for you or no, is this for? It's for me. I'll never, I'll never sell it. Okay. It, it's just too much time. But I do have midget Farrelly trucks. And wheels for it, which donated from a, a piece of junk barely that was that was bought. The guy couldn't identify it when he was selling it to me. He was like a dealer, and he had all these b- burned out boards. And the Farrelly logo was worn right down. And I was looking at it, and I thought, I can't read it. And I bet you can't. And uh, he goes, I can't. I just can't make that out, mate. I, I, I'm sure I've, I've seen it before. And I thought, you'll figure it out after I've already left. <laughs> and and I've paid like forty bucks for it, and that's what I did. I paid forty dollars for it. It's probably worth about a hundred. I would have paid a hundred just for the trucks and wheels, mm. you know. That, but it was a competition because it had an extra base as well. So, and with with pricing, do you base something on what you think it's worth, or basically what it's worth to you? Oh well, I know what everything is worth because I've been. You know, I, I used to have a job pricing antiques and collectibles for year, for many years at an auction house. So when I see something, um, even if I'm just walking past it and I've never seen it before, I'm calculating how much it's worth as I walk away. But if I stop... Is that a retail price or a dealer price? Do you work on dealer pricing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, All right, oh, we're not allowed to talk about that. No, retail... <laughs> <laughs> so, so, okay. So, you, I mean, it's probably pretty clear by now that you're more than a collector. What? So, your background? What is your background? Because I mean, well, I'm, a, I'm a graphic. I, I started as a graphic designer, and then I moved from graphic design to toy design, and then from from there, I moved on to using all the skills associated with um, toy design um, and the background of using machinery in um, factories and that sort of thing to to combining all that um, skills all together in, into one in the production of the, the Bennett skateboards and the, um, the Shanes and the McGregors and et cetera, et cetera. Do you think you're an artist? Oh yeah, I know I am. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I produced um, Australia's first 
um, bubblegum, a non-sport bubblegum card series called Destroy All Robots, and it's just this whole series of paintings. And each painting took four to five days each, as opposed to uh, Glenn Ford's um, effort of um, making the Phantom cards for Australia, and they were like just a few hours each. It was just like... um, more or less like a picture that you would create um, for a storyboard. But what I was doing was like masking uh, a piece of artboard, um, airbrushing a background, painting a character in, and then re-airbrushing the background again. So you're talking about many days and every bit of artwork was completely different from the next. So I, I can show you any of these images or the original paintings. They're... I didn't want to... In a lot of card sets, you just look through them and you just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you'll just you'll run through half of the set and they'll all be very similar because people have lost interest. But I went to Japan and I got inspired by their tin robots and that's what it's all based on, is the, the inspiration of of that sort of thing. And from there, yeah, I just collect art... Um, and, and furniture and just anything artistic it's beautiful I, i'm interested in it so going back to the skateboarding stuff do you think you could make a living out of what you do with skateboarding i don't know i, I guess it's possible now now that you have the internet you could sell uh you could sell fiberglass layered boards um all over the world because i mean what i produce now I, I sell before I start, but I only do production of like, um, you know, 10 boards or 12 boards or 14 boards because they're all made in a panel like a big cake and then they're cut up. So, um, yeah, and I've already sort of got a group of people that buy the boards from me already and I, you know, m- mentioned that I'm going to do another one and they go, oh, yeah, and, that you know, they just drop a deposit on me and then... Um, it, I can go ahead and start making them. But I think, yeah, if the, if it went worldwide and I had a website, people would discover that you can still get a handmade fiberglass skateboard as opposed to fiberglass that I have seen that's handmade, but it's very it's slapdash, very quick, nothing, nothing um, artisan about it or special. So your your skateboard collecting, your making reproductions and restoring boards and so forth. It seems like each project, each thing, then whatever you make goes into expanding your collection. Is that right? It does because basically, I just want one, and if I can have one, I will get one, and I'll just make one if I have to. But if there's other people that want one and they can pay for the project, then I'll make you know, six or seven more. And then people can relive what they remember from when they went into a shop and they saw a brand new skateboard like that hasn't all been, you know, beaten up like the things that you find on eBay. So um, that's what I'm just recreating dreams for myself and anyone else that that wants it, you know, that, that remembers like I did, like... Gordon and Smith's, you know, you walk in and you saw the surfboard that you couldn't afford, but then you saw the skateboard that you could. and But the logo is exactly the same. That beautiful, gigantic, um, it's called a double eagle 
logo and I just you know it that skateboard has been eluding me my whole life so I, I just thought I've got to do something about it but you know where do you get the artwork you know you can't you got to you got to remake it you got to spend days and days redrawing it all and then I found from the few original skateboards that I had that the the artwork wasn't even mirrored it looks like it's exact but it wasn't they were both hand done so that's what I did I made them exactly to the original like to the millimeter and yeah anyway since people have done their own versions of the logo but you can tell straight away it's new it's it's not as good and but they're putting them on surfboards now and there's like tribute um surfboards with that logo so um yeah good luck to them <laughs> so there's a couple there. the a couple what the with the double eagle you know the green oh yeah the, yeah yeah the um so what are, what were you about to show me here oh these are um scanlan's uh bubblegum cards from the 70s I don't remember these. Were these American? Well, most of the pictures were um, American skateboarders, yeah, and and some of them were Bain photographs that they used for their advertisements. So, yeah, I don't think there's an Australian kid here, but they're all... But like, what I mean, were they sold in Australia or sold in America? They were only sold in Australia. And, and I think Australia just, or Scanlon's, sourced whatever photos they could get at the time which were legal to use and um, they produced these particular cards these ones are special they're actually still in three they haven't been cut up properly where did you get these from um oh just different collectors have them i mean i think that's the guy that came to australia russ howell is it yeah yeah that's him and there's that's a famous that would be um yeah, that's a very that's the logo that uh, oh everyone uses everyone it, but uses uh, it. Sector Nine, particularly. Yeah, yeah, and I think I can't remember who that is, but every one of these guys is famous, like from original uh, champions. You know, this guy like walking down the street with a skateboard stuck on each foot. I mean, but he's actually riding them. So, yeah, Russ Howell. So it, it, there's actually they're called skateboard safety hints. There's nothing to do with who's actually on the cards. That wasn't. I mean, it could have even probably. been a government thing. That the government might have even paid, like uh, Scanlans to. It's quite possible, quite possible, because they you know they they're always worried about kids um, uh, running under cars, and they didn't really know what kids were going to do on skateboards. I don't think there was that many. Um, accidents really but um, uh, I mean it's when I started skateboarding and uh, it, it, the only way to describe it is a plague of children on the roads on boards <laughs> that's right oh yeah 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 if you see the movie The Ultimate Flex Machine I think even um, there, there's young famous surfers there and they're all on the sidewalks and old women are just jumping out of the way and <laughs> trying to avoid them and they're not really annoying anyone but they're just like oh whippersnappers you know like big deal so i'm just going to read some of the stuff on the back of these cards they have have fun with scanlan's gum skateboard safety 
hints. And it even looks like the skate and the board are separate words. Mm, mm. So, oh, definitely. Uh, roads and footpaths are for use of motorists and pedestrians, not skateboard riders. Your courtesy will earn their respect. Beware of wet and oily services. My favourite is number 24 of 24, which is the 24, card 24. Its tip is sneakers or similar footwear should be worn. <laughs> that's right. I mean, yeah, that's like, the oh, 70s, wow. isn't it? Where everyone just had bare feet. That's right. Yeah. That's why you buy boards from back then and they're just impregnated with, with, with the dirt from the bottom of a foot. You know, it takes you about three days to scrub it out. That's, uh, I like this one. It looks like a clown shoe. I've never seen a skateboard <laughs> like that. I don't know what the hell it is. Wow. That is, it like that is bizarre. Is that the Oh yeah. Kickback or? Do you think the kicktail? Oh, I don't know. It's hard to yeah, say. Yeah, that's a famous photo. Yeah. Well, that's him again. That's that's Russ again doing yeah. the downhill run. But there's a it's like a blue tinge over it, which is a it's obviously a printer's um, proof yeah. gone wrong. It should have been destroyed, but obviously... It's funny how there's no names of the skateboarders. I know. You think Ross Howard's name would be on there? Because he did come to Australia. Same as Stacey Peralta for Golden Breed, for General Pants, for um, Bennett Surfboards. He, he, you know, they they were both here and they gave them... I've even got a picture of Stacey Peralta. It's a famous picture of him skating in black and white shot and he's got a Golden Breed jersey on. <laughs> so he's obviously got it from Australia when he was here, so he didn't chuck it out. Yeah. So Yeah, maybe they got the photos from overseas and because there's no internet, they just couldn't ask who was sure. who. Yeah, for sure. They would have been the famous people at the time and they probably would have put their names on, but they probably didn't have the right to do so. So they just um. used it as a... A purely a, a safety mechanism yeah. for Australian children, I'm sure. But it's funny. I mean, these cards would predate uh, Dogtown because we're sure. talking early seventies. And here you have a picture of someone skating in a swimming pool. Yeah, yeah, and the, and they've even photographed the cameraman taking the picture yeah. of the skater, which is like. Yeah. But it's it's funny, you know. Dogtown is you know the the myth of the Dogtown is they invented. You know, uh, the skating in swimming pools when, in fact... Yes, yes, yeah. (laughs) I I would have liked to have seen one Australian picture, you know, incorporated because I know Scanlons have had a lot of American input, but then they'll chuck a couple of Australian things in just to get the locals interested. But these were purely... uh, I think in one year they released these skateboards and then they also did uh, surfing tips for surfboard riding bigger set but in one year i think they did skateboards surfing and one other thing and then it was just like fill the year just forget about it but they're they're, they're damn so do you know what year these would have been released have you worked that out um i do know um but i'm i'm not exactly sure it's 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 early early 70s When, when the craze hit they they thought you know let's put it out this is um card number 10 do not hitch a ride by by being towed by a motor vehicle or bicycle. So there was uh, even warnings back in the early seventies about that. There's a that's a set. Wow. There. So yeah, yeah, they're, they're interesting. That's a complete set. Yeah, complete set of twenty four. I don't know if they're mint or not, but 
They're pretty hard to find. I know the last set of surfing ones went for about 160 bucks. Mm. So these might get maybe a couple of hundred. Because skateboarding is, is never dying. It just seems to be growing and lurching around and moving forward as, as skateboarding technology changes. But, um, yeah. Okay, I'm going to pick another board from the wall. Should we... Oh... What is this one? Skateboards by Skip of Australia. Yeah, Skip is um actually um the yeah the the wheels are um amazing wheels. I I, I bought the board as as a board that was just hanging in someone's house on the north coast with another board called uh, Nirvana, and um, I put trucks and wheels on them because I just thought they deserved it but they look good hanging because this board is so big it's like 32 32 inches long but it's shaped like a a, a surfboard with the the cutaways and the, the, the arrow so the top graphic surfboards by Skip of Australia we've even got his address 24 Flinders Street Wollongong I wonder what's there now he's still going no yeah he is he is because I showed a picture of this board to a guy I know um his name is um, Rod, and he repairs. He used to work for Gordon and Smith, making skateboards and surfboards, and he does a lot of surfboard repairing. He lives in Helensburg, and I showed that to him, and um, he showed the picture of... He, he wants me to bring the board down, and I will next time I go down, but um, I showed him the photographs, and he showed them to Skip, because when I actually went to th- this guy's place, I saw he had a Skip sticker on his car on the back window as I walked down the driveway and I thought oh you know Skip I'll I'll show him this picture you know and then he goes oh I I didn't know he made skateboards and I go well I I wouldn't have a clue you know but he said um, he doesn't remember making these boards but he said if I wanted to reproduce them myself he said he'd give me the permission to do that and the art and the artwork he doesn't have the artwork I don't know. I, I was. I will be talking about that, but you can imagine this. I'm talking about different logos to many, many different people, and you know, there's all these projects that may happen, <clears throat> and some that never do happen. Is that? But a, it's a beautiful, beautiful, um, you know, sunset. I think. The, is that the, mushrooms or a whale? I'm not sure. <laughs> Mushrooms. Yeah, does it, does it look like a mushroom? Though? It could be. Oh no, no, that's just the scroll work. Oh, that's the scroll that's work. The scrolls. Okay. I'm just, I'm lost in that that other board that had the mushrooms on it and the. the oh d- yeah, the, yeah, the that's rough. um. There's a good time boards. Good, yeah. yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> yeah, I've got a restored good time. Um, it's got a different logo, and the artwork's done by the same guy who's still doing artwork. His name's Shane, and he lives in Queensland, oh, and. Right. His name is usually somewhere hidden. Ah. In, yeah, I think that's it. Shane Egan, I think that's what his name is. Wow. And he did a lot of these early um, logos for sca- uh, surf and skateboard companies. I wonder if the um, these artists, whether they've kept their their proofs and their original, the original drawings art. and so forth. I, I reckon that they would have components, like if, if he liked that particular whatever that is a clownfish or whatever he would have kept that or the, just the black and white when i when i spoke to the um 
the original guy that started Surfer Sam, he still had all his original artwork of the little Surfer Sam. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm going to keep mentioning it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad. It's... <laughs> You know, he, I was hoping you would have destroyed it by now. <laughs> he actually employed an advertising agency to create that little image. Yeah, it's, it's uh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm getting another one out. How many times can I mention Surfer Sam in this interview? Oh, should we do this one? This is beautiful. Oh, my, that's quite heavy. Oh, my, it's see-through. Yes, yeah, it's, it's translucent. Um, it's a piece of, um, well, yeah, but it's all layered. You can see the, the layers of mesh yeah. in there. It's pretty heavy, nearly a quarter of an inch thick, but it's got a unique piece of Hawaiian material laid on the top of it. And um, Greg Bennett gave it to me in the surfboard factory while I was interviewing uh, the manager of the factory who, who, who was in charge of producing all the first series Golden Breed skateboards. And um, I said to him, I should get that off-cut panel and make a, a golden breed out of it. And um, they both said, yeah, what a great idea. So I cut, I've cut, i cut the golden breed shape out. And all. So how big was the panel? Uh, it was just, oh, it's just normal. Know, it was just like a crazy piece of rectangular. So can you get more than one board out of it? No, no. I cut one board out of the piece and I positioned the template until I got all the flowers lining up and oh. and everything like that. But the other pieces are just like little... I can show them to you. They're in the garage. But um, that's that's one good board out of it. And what we'll do, we'll put the Golden Breed logo on the top. We'll grind the base down and we'll put another colour on there, like in translucent red or blue. To, to maybe make the green into purple when we look through it. And then then I can shape, do the angled bevel on the edge and so there'll be a dark a dark base with the green top. How would you do that bevel? Uh, on on a, um, uh, a belt sander that's mounted into a table and um, I will just angle it. And, and keep shaping it until it's the correct. I mean, how nervous do you get when you're doing some like this? Is literally a one of a, a kind, one off, yeah. and you're about to like literally well, grind it. Well, I've done it so many times now, and and I don't sort of get in there and grind it right down, to, you know, to the to the maximum. I, I take it down very slowly, bit by bit, and do each side, and then keep checking it and looking at it and just don't go too far and usually I stop just before the end and then I'll finish the rest off with a piece of paper by hand and then go through all the grades down to uh, wet and dry and how are you going to drill the are you going to mount it like you're going to put trucks and wheel how how do you drill the holes oh just with um uh, like a like do you use a template Oh, no, I'll, I will just mark it through an existing golden breed board so I get exactly okay, yeah. the proportions, yeah, with the yeah. indelible and then, yeah, just drill it and countersink it just like just like they did. But there's, yeah, there's a slightly different because they on their mould they had little blips that stood up so when you put took a, an impression of it and you pulled the board out, you had a little indentation so the drill could just naturally fall into the hole. So at the time, I discovered, talking to Mr. Laycock, um, that their 
method of production of skateboards was probably the most accurate in the world at that time mm. because all the others, they were just making panels like this and hopefully having a template and getting it right, but theirs were dead on every time because I've got the... That's the original mould there. See, the logo is backwards. Ah, yeah. So you would have that lying down next to a whole lot of other ones exactly the same in one big panel. You'd pour all your resin in and there's little high points there for the drill holes. Mm. And then you would get your logos and you would flip them over so they match that and then build up your board in coloured layers. So when you pulled it out, it was reading the right way. Mm. So that's probably the most valuable bit of equipment going around Mm. because now we can reproduce golden breed boards from an actual original mould. So that's that's a little project that um, is happening. So with all these boards here, if the place is on fire, which board do you grab to I'll run grab out? All of them. <laughs> if you only had to grab one, which one would you grab? Well, I wouldn't. I grab all of them. I'd smash the windows <laughs> and I'd throw them into that bamboo out there. And if they started complaining, I'd tell them to shut up. <laughs> And I'll just keep throwing boards into their back. Okay, I might I might rephrase the question. What's your favourite board here? Do you have a favourite board? I do. I guess it would be the honeycomb, or or this prototype bone of layered construction, which they couldn't afford to do if they were going to make all the millions of dollars that Bain actually made. So they would have... This is probably one of the most valuable boards in the country, I would imagine, because I know that there aren't any others here. Do you think that... Are there any others in the world? Oh, there's a couple. And the guy that sold me this has got the 30-inch version of this with a yellow logo. Mm. But the logo was worn away from, from use... And um, I also have first option on it when he, if he ever decides to sell it. I got myself in line for that two days ago. <laughs> but yeah, this is the 27-inch model, but it's probably the best conditioned board of its type. And you just, I mean, to get an orange base and a blue top with a, a, a sort of strange matte green finish on that, which is slightly textured, um, you know. There's, if, if something like that went on eBay today, it would be a sensation. A lot of skateboard collectors talk about their grails, something that they're always chasing. Is there something that you know that's out there that you're chasing? No, I virtually got. I've already got all those things, I suppose. Um, so now it's just the surprises, things that you don't know that's out there that you find. Well, that's the same thing that always kept me going to markets, etc. is the fact of finding something that I don't know about. Finding a skateboard like a Nirvana. I didn't know that there was a Nirvana, but there it is. So I was happy to to, to find that. And, and it came with the, the skip, which I also hadn't heard of. I mean, everyone knows about golden breeds and... and, um, and Lightning bolts. Lightning Lightning bolts, bolts. yeah, like everyone, because they were like the mass-produced boards from Bennett 
skateboards. I mean, Greg told me that um, on Saturday morning, every Saturday morning, there was a line of kids all the way down Harbord Road and they would open the door and they had a bucket for the money and they would bring it in. It might have been a cheque, who knows, but usually it was kids with a handful of money, you know, notes and coins and they'd say, is that $22.50 or whatever it was? And they go, okay, drop it in, go and choose your board. And it was just like a soup kitchen, you know, and they would go off down the road. So. And so what, they'd just make boards during the week for the, the weekend? They'd make them all week, yeah. And, and women, uh, local women that were housebound, were brought boards and trucks and ball bearings and they would put together the shore grip trucks and then they would assemble those trucks onto the the boards and screw them all together. And Greg Bennett would come around and harvest them all from the the, the people working. Because in the factory, there wasn't any space for that. And that, that was in full steam making surfboards. So do you think they would put the wheels and the trucks, the trucks together with the wheels and the ball bearings? Yeah, they did. Because I met one of those women just by pure chance. You wouldn't believe the people met by pure chance that I'm not looking for, but they just pre- they just present themselves to me. And uh, I-, I went to look at this guy's car. He had um, a Studebaker Hawk. It was an amazing American car, very rare. I was looking at the, the car, and I was for some reason I was just talking about skateboards, and his wife just wandered out and said, I used to put uh, together skateboards for a local surf shop. I said, which one? And she said, Bennett's skateboards, surfboards. And I said really and she said yes and they i had this little this strange little plastic cup that i could put into a a bucket of ball bearings and it would scoop out eight ball bearings exactly and i said where is it and she goes that's 30 years ago I, I i don't think i've got anything like that left you know and and i said oh well if you ever find it you know i'd, I'd love to see that that would be amazing and uh we we looked we finished looking at the car and we were just leaving and she ran up to the car as we were going and she said i found it i found it no and she gave me a little bag of ball bearings and a little it was like a red rubber cup it looks like the top of a pen and she goes here take it and i said I'm going to put that in the skateboard book for sure, in the Golden Breed section, because that's a little bit of history that just is just forgotten about. No, nobody no. knew that all these people... I'd never heard of that. I, I'd never... I, I just count the ball bearings out, drop them in myself. I didn't know that there was a special device to help, help these women. I mean, the first thing as skateboarder you learn if you were in the 70s when you actually had ball bearings loose ball bearings we're talking about in your skateboard wheels was you never replace them or put them in when you're sitting on the grass because if you lose a ball bearing in the grass you're never gonna find you're never gonna find it unless you've got an earth magnet in your (laughs) your tongue (laughs) yeah you're just not gonna be able to yeah you only make that mistake once um so okay so you mentioned a book you're working on a book yeah, Australian uh, Skateboard Bible, which um, would also incorporate um, an American Bane section. And uh, strangely, they've never done a book on Bane before, um, Bane themselves or anyone else, uh, for all the other skateboard books ever produced. But Bane I particularly love, and I also want to put it in there to differentiate between the two fake Banes that were made in Australia. 
Well, actually, there were three models, a Bane and a Bane Superflex, and then just a straight-out Bane that was printed onto blank old-stock um, lightning bolt bases from the Bennett Surfboard Factory. And, um, yeah, that's a very interesting story, a little bit of a, a bogus going on. Uh, and those fakes still turn up? All the time. Had, how do you myself? <laughs> I don't particularly rate them, but other people do because they they, they well they're a part of history. They are, but they, I mean they came out in the early nineties. I think there was only a few hundred of them, but they got all the way over to France because that uh, was it Ocean Pacific. Some Frenchy guy over there. He's got a little skateboard shop and he's got vintage parts. And I saw on the on his website there's this blue fake Bane hanging up and I wrote a letter to him and I said do you know the story about that board and um he goes no no I, I know nothing and uh and I said well um it, it's not real it, it's made in Australia it's not an American bane because they never had a bane of that shape they used spotruded fiberglass but not that shape I said look I said just look at the trucks the sugar grip trucks doesn't it tell you something it, does it trigger something in your mind he goes, no, again, I know nothing. And uh, I thought, yes, that's right, you, you don't know much. So how, how do you tell the difference between a real Bane and a fake Bane? What are the, the telltale signs? Well, the ones that were made up the coast, um, they were layered fibreglass and they were very good quality, second only to the, the Golden Breed first series because they were layered fibreglass. So the Bane Superflexes... Um, a lot of people don't know before Bane Superflex was just they had the, just the word Bane with the old surfboard logo on it which is that logo mm. uh, with the, all the letters are connected to one another as opposed to the second series Bane logo just there so um, yeah they used that and then they just put the word Superflex under it later on I thought from some form of like we're not copying Bane we put the word superflex under someone else's logo so so you're saying that a Bane flex is not a, a real Bane no it's not no they were just they were, they were made in Australia and everyone knows them because they were made in the in the the, the, the peak of they were made under license no well they weren't no they were just made they also made Chicago's in the same factory but Bain knew about these fakes and they were putting their own ads, which I've got. It was a buy an official American Bain and they even put American flag stickers on their, on their boards. I didn't know this. I remember I got one and peeled the sticker off and threw it away immediately, like a fool. And then later on I found out they're supposed to be there to differentiate. And that's another reason why Bain started printing, uh, stamping a serial number on the back of their boards with 024 for a 24, 27, and, and 030, and, and then four or five-digit numbers just to try to t tell people that, you know, you, you could be buying a fake Bane. So there's the uh, Superflex. What what other uh, fake Banes are out there? Well, there was... Um, the, there was another... The, the other... The only other Banes that were made were the ones using the old Bennett stock left over from the lightning bolts when they lost the license and the Golden Breeds. So 
they print it. They so the golden breed board is longer and the lightning bolt is shorter, and um, they just printed the the second series Bane logo on it. Sometimes in one color. Sometimes they did it with a black surround. I've got examples of both, but it's it's not the same artwork. It's very close, but they've sort of loosely copied it. But it's it's pretty pretty close i mean even in the um disposable skateboard bible <laughs> there's one of the australian fake banes in the bane section <laughs> i can imagine bill and bob bane looking at it and going oh my god <laughs> you know that's not even our board we never had sure grip trucks damn those australians <laughs> and oh, they still want to know because i spoke to bill bane and he said hey you got a nice collection there buddy you know, um, you, you know, because I had a few first series boards. This was like five years ago, and he goes, "By the way, do you know who made those fake banes?" <laughs> uh, I mean, this is like thirty years later, and they still want to know. <laughs> so, uh, oh my gosh! So, so, so that book. So, you're working on it. Is there any? Uh, is this just an ongoing project? Yeah. Is there any uh, completion date for it or is it just... Uh... The trouble is every time you find out some information about it, it leads to more characters to talk to. And then it, it just, it, it's like a, a golf ball that you cut into with a knife. The, 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 the elastic band keeps, you know, like it's just a project that just gets bigger and bigger. But I'm trying to get it under control and, and maybe complete one section at a time maybe there's the way to do it mm. instead of trying to do it all are you going to self-publish or i don't know i don't know i'd, I'd like to put it out by like with tashin or somebody like that because they always have those strange collection books you know colorful and beautiful looking and glossy but you know um i know that whoever did the surferama book that was an interesting sort of surf collection and this would be along the same lines, except it would just be totally skateboards this time, even though they have a pretty good, um, well, not a bad selection of skateboards in there, mostly Mick Mock's um, skateboards. His beautiful custom Farrell is in there. Really, really nice. So uh, they're, they're very rare. I haven't, I haven't got a custom, so I would like, you know, Ah, so there is still some boards out there. Yeah, well, strangely enough, only two days ago I spoke to a guy that had two. And he said to me, uh, and he actually had them signed. I didn't believe him, but it's definitely true. He sent me a picture of um, Midget Farrelly signing the backs of each board. And and Midget Farrelly doesn't do things by half. He signs them from this end to that end, (laughs) like this. And and there he was. Like a John Hancock signature. Exactly. That's right. And he, he signed like five or six Farrelly boards from his collection. He's actually selling a, a Farrelly Jr. on uh, eBay right now mm. with the signature on the back. So it's definitely signed. And how much do you think that would... What do you think that's worth? The Farrelly Jr.? Mm. Um, well, he wants $400 for it. It hasn't sold yet. Um, I didn't tell him that I actually owned it previous. And it, the, the top of it is a little bit hacked up. Someone attacked it with a screwdriver, the logo. Like, oh, tried to stab it. And then they poured acid on it or some or some sort of bleach because the logo's all, like, all melted and there's a big stain. So it's very worn out. But still, signed by Farrelly, its value mm. jumps back. But um, 
I don't know. I mean, what's a what's a good junior worth? Ooh, eight hundred bucks. Eight hundred? Fifteen hundred? What? Yeah. Recently. What's a full Mitch Farrelly worth? Like a a really good one. Well, for instance, he said to me, um, "See, this guy, he's a surfboard dealer. Um, his name is uh, Mick Dyson, and he collects Surfer Sam skateboards, and um, he collects Midget Farrelly skateboards. That's all he collects." And he said to me that he sold, and I was I was really amazed by it. For two grand, he sold a mint Surfer Sam, never touched. Must have been a present that got taken away from a child or whatever. And um, it could be one of the um, like uh, lens, the lenses, the the owner. It could have been. It could have been one of his. He, he kept the last three that came off the production line. He's a smart guy, <laughs> I guess. But uh, yeah, he. It could be one of those, or it could be just one that's just been found with dust on, and they've just wiped it off. But. The guy took a while to pay for it, but yeah, he got two grand and he said, so if you want a custom, that's where the, we're in that ballpark area. And I thought custom, definitely worth, I'd pay two grand. And does this, does this dealer know about the, uh, the pro model surface Sam that, uh, was discovered? Uh, I don't know. He the, the strange. So I'd like to do a podcast on that one day. Just that story. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, so we won't give too much away. No, no. But I, I noticed in his collection that um, he he didn't have um, a Nat Young special model, which is like a stringer laminated top version of a custom like, of a Farrelly. Mm. So Farrelly was definitely knew that that darned old you know surfer sam guy were in competition with each other so that he was thinking you know i, I need to take my boards from the, the level of a toy to i need to compete with my own world champions surfer maybe nat young will you know sign on and will create something that looks like a a custom farrelly or a competition mark too but bigger and and they were they were enormous so, have you seen one of those? Yeah, I've seen a few. I know a guy with a couple of them. Well, actually, I've got one too. So <laughs> I just happen to have one. But, so they, they're from the Mitch Farrelly um, factory. For that, that was like who made the the Mitch Farrelly boards? They were made in the in Brookvale on Harbord Road in one of the small places. I get. Uh, so I they didn't have their own, they didn't have their own brand. No, the uh, Midget Farrelly didn't apparently didn't even like skateboards at all. It was just one of the the things that he sold. So he he was seen riding it. He was seen talking to people about it, and he was advertising it on the beach. There's this famous picture of him in colour, sitting with a range of boards. And it actually, uh, you, you mention it, he's holding a custom in his hand, and it's just. St- very fine stringers all the way through it which never seen one like that usually the stringers are very wide so um he was holding i guess that was a prototype and um yes so so So, so he got two other guys and one of them uh i've got it written down somewhere but it may have been i don't think it was nat young it may have been and one other guy he got those two guys to produce all of his 
skateboards for him. So I guess they were routing, shaping, and branding. But uh, the thing that I've noticed recently about Midget Farrelly boards is they mix up the logos. They'll have a, a junior board with competition stamped on it. And so there wasn't really any... Um, I don't know what they were smoking, but um, there was a little bit of confusion about yeah, but what was getting I, marked. I imagine that Christmas is coming. They can't keep up production. What are those seconds? Let's just stamp a few. Just get yeah, the let's, stock out. That, that's, I never thought of that. I just assume that there is someone in charge and they go, hey, don't, don't put the wrong marking on the wrong mm-hmm. board. But, it, but that could have been seconds that they just sold cheap. Yeah. It's it's quite possible. Back door to the local grounds. It's 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 probably possible. And so, so people in the factory making their own board the way they want to make it yeah. for themselves, and they pay it off. You know. So there were like Nat Young might have had a few deals with a few different skate companies. Uh, the only one I know so far is um, the the one with uh, with. Um, with with Surfer Sam, so um, but also there was you're saying that there was one made with the Mitch Farrelly factory. Oh no 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 Nat Young Nat Young was just brought on by Leo Doctor Leo as his opposition to Farrelly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. when we're talking about Nat Young boards, you, you we're talking about that. So you have one of those. Yeah. Yeah. When did uh, you get one of those? Uh, not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, there's also um, the the leftover stock because um, there's interesting things that have happened with Surfer Sam boards. There are Surfer Sam boards with the late model alloy trucks and rubber wheels that got branded with Surf, Dive and Ski, like literally branded into the wood, like two or three mils deep with the Surf, Dive and Ski diamond logo. Now, that's a Surface Sam board, no doubt about it. But no one has ever seen another one like that. But I, I, I thought, well, I'll find out. I'll talk to the, the people who own Surf, Dive and Ski, the two owners, one both still living, and both of them don't even remember the board for some reason. They, they must have had someone else in charge of the production of those and recently i found a little fiberglass kickback ad just in time for christmas get them before they go like 25 bucks little surf dive and ski logo probably a sticker on the board what what year do you think that was it could have been uh 70 78 or 79 something like that and were those because my first board was a surfer sam but it wasn't a solid wood board I remember, Wild. yeah. So you had a bogus surface sand. Yeah. yeah, it was green. Green? Ooh. <laughs> but it had the uh, tar wheels. Like, oh, the... No. The Super Detroit type. Well, I don't know if they were Super Detroit. I just know that they were not clay, but they were that... Horrible black rubber. Yeah. But they were, yeah, they were almost like... They were a composite, so they could have been that type of clay. I just remember they chipped was really weird mm, yeah. probably just a low grade yeah that would be interesting because I, i've never actually seen a fake surfer sam um before 
that that would be very interesting. So maybe my parents just told me it was a surface Sam, just to because that's maybe what I wanted. I don't know. Do you think that they put a sticker of surface Sam on it for you, or they got someone to draw surface Sam on? And <laughs> they could have done is. that. Yeah, yeah. That'd well, be interesting. I'd like to see that today, <laughs> just to see how it stacks up. You know, yeah. feature for feature against a, a genuine surface Sam. Not that you would call it with boards and features. Yeah. So I, I, I did manage to get you to talk about Surface Sam, so there you go. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know so much about it. Um, so did you want to look at the boards in the garage? Yeah, let's look at the boards in the garage. There's some interesting stuff down Just there. pause it right there. Okay, we're in the garage. That wine, that's them there. Got, ah, yeah. I was supposed to take them back today, but I've realised the factory is closed, but I'll take them back next week. But yeah, that's all there was. Why, why take back the offcuts? Well, Greg said, um, I can cut a board out of it, but make sure you bring whatever's left over. That's how frugal they are at Bennett Skateboards. Uh, so, cool. so it came out of, you can see that yeah. was the original size. Would that, be a, would that have been a panel? Yeah, this would have been a panel for making skateboards, or it would have been a one-off if it was. Mm. And I guess he's also thinking he can get uh, he can get a beautiful fin out of that. That is a Nat Young. But it had NKK Japanese trucks put on it. And I spoke to the owner of Surf Dive and Ski, and he said to me. I do remember buying Japanese trucks. And I said, NKK. And he goes, how did you know that? And I said, I only discovered them just the other day. And this is also one. Ah. I bought it in a lot of boards. Same shape. Yeah. But different stringer construction. Many people want that because they've realised... They're starting to cotton on about this sort of stuff. Now, this is an interesting board. Uh, I, I purely got it only because it's from the Burwood Ultimate Skateboard Shop. <laughs> and I've got a picture of a yellow one, and there was a brown one as well. But it's the cheapest, rubbishest, most fast production, separating layers, but very flexible. And it would have been popular at the time. What a piece of junk. I'll take those off before I sell it. The blank bolts. Because they were a la Bain Superflex. Mm. Very hard to get. So you'd sell some... Why would you sell that? Because I I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I only got it to take pictures, you know, for the book. And and it was a good example with a nice clean sticker on it. Mm. But I don't want this. That's why it's hanging on a rope. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's rubbish what is that this That's, is that the ugliest skateboard I've ever seen it is but maybe the most valuable <laughs> but it's hanging on rope so we know it's not oh no no it is it is good it shouldn't be here there's no way it should be here I've actually had that partially restored we masked the sticker with with ta- uh, surf tape and then we polished that plastic but we left the, the deepest gouges in it because wow 
Do you recognise that seat from your dragster bike as a child? No. Yes. Is it a dragster seat or have they just copied it? No, no. Makaha made the XL10 and that is one of the early ones. They made a foam core one with a fibreglass wrap, which is also for some reason called the XL10. But these early injection moulded plastic ones with a like a, a silver metaflake the finish in the plastic is I had the advertisement, it's your three sixty machine. You'll be doing three sixties today with this. <laughs> guaranteed. Because look at the proportion of it. You put your foot in there, you can see how the person's foot has slid that off. They their foot has slowly heated it and it's started to slide and it's gone off centre. But still it's in great condition. But the advertisement is a kid on the back wheels just spinning out like like a mental case. But it really is. But you think about it, clay wheels. So it's actually a seat from a dragster? Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's, well, it's a, just like based on that it's shape? It's just based on... They must have seen those those uh, banana seats, they called them, and thought, oh, oh we're, we're going to do skateboards like that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do that. Or do you think maybe they just or, use the same the mould because it's... Because it was cheap? Maybe, maybe. I mean, they'd be similar, but they wouldn't have little oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. wheel arches. Yeah. Like for a, for a, a maybe it was car. cheaper to, like, like change a mould. I guess. I mean, the banana seats were very beautifully smooth, like a banana, and they went to a point more. This is purposely designed um, by Makaha, and I, I bought it at the time off a guy. You, you can imagine how this whole thing it's just it's really brittle plastic and they've screwed these in self-tapping double action chicago trucks with clay wheels a rare clay wheel i must say two types of clay but you would think that this should be urethane this would be the most deadly thing that you could ever stand on Mm. i would imagine I, i wouldn't get on this if you paid me but Maybe that's why it's in such good condition. That uh... Well, apparently all of these boards were destroyed. You can imagine the strain. If you're going around on the back wheels and you're spinning out and you're crashing and you're falling off, it's hitting the wall. These are apparently all splintered and shattered and destroyed in virtually no time. This is the only... Well, I don't know if it's the only one that remains in this condition, but the, the people at Makaha said, can we use the pictures of this board for our website we do not have that board wow so um so it's why is it in such good condition was it the original loaner you got it from um i think it was he he said to me that um it was a present and um he he just didn't use it much and you know like americans they always put their childhood stuff away Mm -hmm. they go back to their family home get it out put on ebay or or put it in the garage sale But, I mean, he wanted a, a buy it now of something like three or four hundred US dollars. I mean, that's going to put a lot of people off. They're just going to go, eh, and they'll all talk about it while they're talking. Off to Australia. So, yeah, he said... Did you negotiate on the price or...? Um, a little bit. I think it was like, I think he had 350 US or something like that. I'd have to check because I keep records. I, I get a freeze frame of all the auctions that I win. I put them all in a file so I know what I've done and when I've spent it because it's got the date and everything. But I think he wanted 350 something like that, or 400 Or he wanted 400 and I offered him 350 something like that. Obviously, that's one that you thought 
it was worth money. I really did. I thought there's something. I had that feeling. Mm. Uh, people say, oh, you get that feeling about everything. But uh, I, I really did see this as something a little bit weird and unique. And when Makaha themselves said they don't have one, I knew that I did the right thing. Do you ever overpay on anything? A few times. Like, yeah. why? Because I, I always just feel like I'm more enthusiastic than everyone else. And maybe if I've got the money to spend, I will. Because I, I want to... Because we talked before about unrealistic expectations that some buyers have. So is that a case of someone's just not willing to let it go for a cheaper price? Yeah, that's that's usually what it is. Yeah, they, they, um, the, the, the sellers are still... They're not really ready to sell. So they put it on and the, all their memories are all there and their memories seem to be worth about 10 bucks each. So, you know... <laughs> But uh, it's like I buy scapers. Every time I see a quarter of an inch removed from the nose, it's like $30 off the price. You know, the further it goes down, the, the, you know, you can get to nothing where I don't even want it. But um, can, yeah. you, can you restore an, a nose like that that's had a centimetre or two removed? Well, you can on a board that's just solid green, um, fibreglass all the way through, if you can match the colour. But it really wouldn't be worth it, would it? Not, not on that junk. It wouldn't be, but um, that's just, uh, you know, it'd be a lot of memories for somebody that ever went to the ultimate skateboard shop in, what is it, 2 Railway Parade Burwood. I think there was another shop that 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 shop turned into, apparently. That's what someone told me that had actually been to the shop. Ah. And they they said, oh, yeah, Burwood was like a gigantic, like, treasure trove of skateboarding stuff. And, it, uh, it was one of the biggest skateboard shops uh, in Sydney in the 70s. So I don't know whether this would have been early, early 70s before that shop. I think that would be later because the trucks, that's just so heavy duty. They're just getting, you know, but it's all it's completely original. But, um, yeah, I, I really only bought it for the sticker alone. You know, once I've... Expensive it, sticker. <laughs> I think it was only about... Fifty dollars or sixty dollars or something. I don't. I don't really remember. So you still can get like seventies fiberglass boards really cheap. Like, I mean, that's cheap. You can, but nobody particular. I mean, if that had a lightning bolt logo on it, they'd all be you know they would be punching each other out to to try to get it. But um, uh, you know, still, I mean, I bought this golden breed and this golden breed that's blank that never got printed. Somehow it got out of the factory without a lot. No one knows how. But you can see it's had the original holes and then the three-hole pattern put on it. How that ever got out, no one knows. But, um, yeah, I got that, 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 and one other board. And, and a Farrelly, the Farrelly I told you about, for like 300 bucks. But that was from a dealer who, who gets who scrounges stuff from markets and tips. They're the greatest people to buy from, especially when they don't know what they're selling. So, yeah, I hope he's not listening. <laughs> but there's, there's. Um, but I mean, they would have got what they they would have got there. Oh, yeah. he, he would have paid five, ten, or free. Yeah, you know, if I buy those two, do I get that one for free? I know how they work. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I've done the same thing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm heartless with them, but it's. It's like a, I don't know, an iron glove in a 
velvet wrapped in velvet or something however they put it but you know so yeah, are dealers the hardest ones to buy from because it's just easier because um, if they didn't own it they know recently how much they paid for it so and it's usually not a lot because they're so uh, they're so hard on everyone you know they'll go they'll turn up at garage sales they'll see surfboards and skateboards they'll they'll buy the whole lot for for a reduced price and then sell it all individually and hopefully they get the money back plus more what are your collection period do you have a period that you collect in is it 60s 70s fiberglass what it or yeah i i did i started collecting um the early fiberglass flat boards without kicktails and the early 60s boards that were wooden and then i purged myself of virtually all the wooden 60s boards but i kept a couple that i thought were really very special and worthy to keep but since then, I've bought more. So why did you get rid of your 60s board? I don't know. But, well, they, weren't, they were mostly American. You know, things like the flying ace with a, a metal foot brake onto steel wheels. Unique things like that. And it had a guide rope with, a, with a, um, like a wooden handle that had been dipped in coloured inks and oils. It was very, very special. It was like museum quality. Things like that I got because I knew they were special and I knew that when I sold it, I could make I could make some money on it. And so, but the very, very special ones like the, the Moen patents and Wildcat I kept because it's, it's such an amazing little solid oak board, miniature tiny little board, but what, I mean, the name Wildcat, suits it so well i can imagine trying someone trying to tame this thing <laughs> it would be amazing you know if you had the guts to stand on it so do you think you're preserving a bit of australian history with some of these well that, that, that's what i've sort of gone more australian that's what it is i mean that one there that's a uh, an edwards or something the guy gave it to me because i bought that fake bane that i was telling you about before that was made out of a, a lightning bolt base that's it there he, and he goes, do you want this? And he said, it's, it's got all the stuff that, that came from New Zealand and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, I don't really, you know, I don't know much about these. Do you know what? It's got a power pivot. Yeah, on so it. this power pivot. Is the first one or the second one? Um, well, the first one, there's, I'm not quite sure. The first one had a Saurus on it, I believe. Oh, Does that okay. say Mark II? This doesn't look like... This might be an original. It's probably an original. Um, But I I thought it had a source on it. But, okay, so the Power Pivot is the most successful skate product that ever came out of Australia. It was designed by David Hill. DHD. So the the ones that are being sold now have DHD written on it. Right. And David Hill, I'm going to interview him for the podcast. He lives in Sydney. He still designs stuff. He's a school teacher, isn't he, at Freshwater High School? No, no, no. No, no. He's a... Uh, he works in the computer industry. He's like a consultant. Oh, okay. And, uh, but he actually... Uh, so what it was is he designed it, and that's actually a big story in why it has the holes and all that sort of stuff. Oh, okay. But he designed it, and then it was made by Edwards in New Zealand. Edwards is still there. And he oh. recently rang up the 
Edward's factory and said, let's redo the issues. Yeah. And the guy said, the son now runs the factory. And he mm. said, you're not ringing about the power pivot, are you? And he goes, yeah. He goes, oh, we just scrapped, metalled the moulds like last year. Oh, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> it's all about timing, isn't it? It's all about timing. But that's a really early one. But that's really weird because it's got like late model trucks and so forth on it. Or maybe it's a copy. I don't know. I don't know. don't know. He, he just gave that to me and um, I, I didn't really know what to say. I didn't want to turn him down. But it was just like he was purging. He only had two skateboards and that was the other one. So I'm sort of waiting. Well, the, you can see the trucks at Edwards. So I'm assuming yeah. the whole board is. It's had a hard life. Yeah. But... Um, Nicely made. You can see it's all laminate. It's very strong, but yeah, um, yeah, no, you know, they make good stuff. If I met the right person, I'd just give it to them because I'm just not interested. It's not even worth a dollar to me. I, I just don't care about it. I, I just can't get excited. And I'm sure a lot of people, if they came in here and they saw my boards, they go, "I can't get excited about that," but I can about this, you know, for whatever reason. So, um, yeah, but I bought that board from him. The, that blue bane on the underside. The bonus was it had um, Stoker, Stoker Slicks on it, the wheels. They're, they're worth a couple of hundred bucks just to me, just the wheels alone. So I paid him a hundred for the board, plus he gave me that. I'm happy, but that's... that's how many boards do you have, do you think? Do you know how many? I think about 300. Do you catalogue them? No, no. I, I will once they're all restored. I'll, I'll you know... Get why, why restore them? Because does that add value? Do you think, or does it? it and it, it adds value to the board, and it add and it gives me enjoyment, and I learn things as I restore. So, it's do you think you've thing. rediscovered like some techniques and so forth over the years from your stuff? I have, I have, because I've talked to the people that originally made fiberglass boards, and and they've told me little little uh, snippets of secrets of how they did this and how many layers they did and all as i as i put layers of fiberglass down you wouldn't think that anyone would do this but i sanded each layer and i just thought why you know and 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 like when the one little thing they said is when you're changing color you sand it down and you put a clear layer and then you put the next color so you get a really good transition Things like that, people don't not aware of anymore, and and they're lost because Australian surfboards are, are being, um, well, they're not made so much because of all the Chinese import boards, and 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 the, the surfboard repairers have the, you know, the, the horrible discomfort of having to repair a Chinese surfboard that was below standard to begin with, so. It, it's a shame. It's, it's, I don't think it's a dying Australian surfboard making is a dying art or anything, but um, certainly the vintage boards are being more appreciated because there's less of less new boards around. And uh, I mean, I guess the only perfect surfboards now are made for people that are paying, you know, to have a custom board made. And there's plenty of that going on through um, in Harbord and all up the up the coasts. And so the people that you talk to, these are people that used to work in the original factories. Are these people retired? Yeah, most of them are retired. Um, 
none of them. There's there's a couple of them that are still working, believe it or not, because they probably, I don't know, gambled away their, their money or, or something. There's one guy that I know, and he just um, happens to have the name of a famous um, surfboarder um, designer, but uh, he's still still working all the way through the week, you know, sanding down blanks and shaping them and fiberglassing them. It's 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 like Greg Bennett said to me, he said this is all these people know. They they have they've grown up with this and they've never had another job. They've never gone and worked in an office. They've just always been working in a surfboard factory and that what you can learn in a surfboard factory is limited. And but so that's it. They're sort of like trapped in a little circle ice. Well, not trapped. I mean that they, they seem to be happy to do it. So, you know, I, I don't want to deny them. So, uh, but yeah, that's the board I was telling you about. This is a black outline around the Bain logo. Mm. Bain would never have done that. No, I've never seen that before. They would have print. See, bright Bain were, were clever and very very smart. If they want to get more color in there, they'll get the screen and they'll throw two or three colors on the screen and drag all the colors through to get a rainbow fade. It's just an instant added value. But this, putting a fine black thing outline around the Bane logo where it's got to register perfectly, and if it doesn't, is, is really foolish. Mm. I mean, they, they did a good job. And I've since found out where these... who... and who was a responsible for making those. And um, I also know who made... The Bane Superflexes. This this Superflexes had the word Bane <laughs> cleaned <laughs> off. It. Who knows why? Some do-gooder. But uh, so but that's a good project. So your do you think this your boards? Yeah. Do you think you'll ever finish collecting boards, or do you think it's just on? I don't, I don't think so. I think I'll always be. Uh, <laughs> I'll always have um, some money available. To, uh, to, to you know, just to look around and say, oh, I've never seen that one. Yeah. You know, it's got to be, have to be unique or some special model or colour or whatever. But um, that's and why I resorted to uh, another ski, ah. but a perfect result mm. with the countersinking. But getting most of the logo in and only a little bit of the minimal remnants of, of the foot thing for the but you got a nice little nice little yeah this would be a fabulous little trick board mm. uh, it's got the right width and everything so yeah. i've made a few of those and whenever i get those fred williams kanga twos combos <laughs> these boards i just love the look of them they're so australian like yeah. it's red white and blue but look at the flags and the kangaroos it's just and the, and the logo fred williams plus i've got you know, one with blue flags, different laminates, different combinations. Very faded, of course, but I get excited when I see these things because this. Look at the wood. I mean, it's just this is quality stuff. It's all waterproof too. Mm. You know. You know what sort of wood are you? Would, they would have used marine ply. Marine ply. Yeah, yeah for sure. And here's the. And other how one. old? How old are these water skis? Seventies. 1970s. And here's the other end of it. It's got a nice long one. You know, th- there's with a fin. Where? Would you ever sell these? 
Yeah, I might. I mean, I've actually bought a few pairs of skis with other guys, and I'll cut two out, and they'll get the other one. Mm. You know, just for the hell of having something that's classic Australian look about it. Mm. And this one, you <laughs> got the Australian-made logo. No. <laughs> what more do you want? <laughs> Uh, that's brilliant i mean I, I think they're beautiful i think it's a beautiful design and the, you know nobody wants to buy the skis so they're there's no one collecting skis no i don't think so they, they may no. the, the the people that used to ski probably do yeah but there's a i think australians have a, a thing about space they don't want to invade their house their wives or the girlfriend don't want that stuff in the house you know like that's that's a shame. I guess it just depends on who's wearing the pants, you know, in the house is who gets to put inside whatever they feel like, sort of thing. But I mean, you've got to you've got to live for something. You've got to enjoy. You've got to have a reason for waking up, and that's why they always say collectors live longer. They have a reason for waking up in the morning, and I do. I mean, I, I get enthusiastic about waking up early and going to the markets. I could find a skateboard there. So what markets? I'll be saying? No. Well, not really, because... (laughs) These are like your little secrets. No, no, not really. The the reason why I don't say is because the great markets are all finished. They're all gone. I used to go to Rockdale markets every Sunday morning without fail. It was run by, I don't know, the Patrician brothers or some brothers, some uh, monks or whatever. And they ran that in Rockdale in a car park in a bowling alley which has gone down there's an apartment building there but um that was the most amazing market ever every scrounger an old lebanese guy an italian guy and greek guy that went around all week with his car and his trailer looking at you know council cleanups he went to rockdale on sunday morning and i found the most amazingly rare toys stereos skateboards coffee machines all sorts of money-making things. So do you think the modern-day scrounger's just putting it on eBay now? Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's where it sort of ends up. I guess those guys just give it to their granddaughter or son and then they just take the photos and list it all on the Sunday or something. But So you mentioned when you wake up you, um, you have a reason for waking up and doing so. So what's your routine? Do you have a routine for, like, in regard to collecting? checking ebay or yeah i'm always checking ebay but ebay's sort of for skateboards is pretty pretty rare anything good comes up and uh if anything good comes up on gumtree it's um it's usually either two things it's either wildly overpriced because they heard about a skateboard that went for $600, so theirs must be worth 600 You know, they're sort of like really uninformed um, opinions. Or it's just like $10 and it's worth 500 you know. Cause, but then that's, that's good because people start offering more money. It gets up to hundreds pretty quick. Like I, I bought a Golden Breed the other day from a guy in Chroma, really nice guy. My board from original... I used to write it down to the chroma shops. This is where I learned how to skateboard on a Golden Breed first series. And I just said, it's beautiful. Had an orange core. Never seen one with an orange core. It's clapped out. It's busted. It needs a huge amount of care to get it back to anywhere near nice. 
but as soon as I got it home, I pulled it apart. This is what I enjoy doing. Put it in the bathtub and get some scrubbing brushes and scrub the hell out of it and get all the, and you know, you get to see what it used to look like underneath under all the dirty feet embedded marks. And you know, uh, then you take a bit of paper to the edge to get to, to see your coloured layers coming up and see how bright it really is. And you, you can really do some, you know, in half an hour, you can do some fantastic work on a board if you really want to. Which value do you think that adds to it? It adds quite a bit because from there you can... Um, see, see he, he advertised it for $70 with another board. I said, I'm not interested in the other plastic board. It's worth like two cents. But the, the Golden Breed has, you know, it has a surfboard logo, rice paper on it. I mean, that to me is, is good. And I, I said, look, I, I'll give you 130 bucks for it and when I got there he he himself realized when he's looking back over it how dilapidated it was and he said let's just give me a hundred for it he goes you've got to spend money to restore this so and I'm happy it's going to a good home and I said yeah like all of his brothers are waiting <laughs> there's 30 of them waiting for him to all join together you know so so you bought it for a hundred you spent a few hours cleaning up and so forth. What do you think would be worth after that? Oh, you probably you definitely get more for it. Like Two hundred, maybe. If I put some old Chicago trucks, which I have maybe forty, fifty sets, I could just throw them on, put it on, and there's a complete board, and it would look, you know, it would look good. Mm. So, um, but but that's not why i bought it mm. i didn't want to sell, resell it but i just wanted to discover something even the the black logo has got like a green glow around it i've never seen that before there's just a couple of unique things about it i would keep it just for that so it had a you said it had a surfboard rice paper logo does that mean it came out of a factory in brookvale yeah the bennett surfboard factory they had a, a special little um area within the factory cordoned off for making the the first series boards and these were the first skateboards in australia made in a mold where they they did the top of the board what you rode on first that was face down and they worked backwards to to the back end so they're all textured on the underside because that's the last layer of fiberglass and they usually had you know like about 20 or so layers um and and that would be in colored layers too Usually you could order um, a psychedelic swirl. That's the official name for it. I always used to call it the swirl top. Oh, no, psychedelic splash. That's the official name because we found an original skateboarder magazine and there's the ad for, you know, or I think it was another $3 that you had to pay. And if you didn't pay that $3, you just got a a plain blue, red or green um, golden breed. But with a rice paper logo, Bennett Surfboards, with the address and the phone number on it, a Golden Breed logo, you know, and they're they're beautifully in, intact. I've I did buy one um, <laughs> off a guy, and he shot a twenty-two caliber bullet right through the centre of the logo. <laughs> what? Why? <laughs> it's insane. But I thought I don't care. You know, <laughs> I'm going to buy it. <laughs> They're the only skateboard that I do not 
hesitate to buy in any condition, even if it's snapped in half, I'm going to buy it. And I don't want anyone to try and get in my way. <laughs> they will be outbid. They will be sent away. They will not stop me. I want golden breed skateboards. I'm, I'm fanatical about them. I even said to someone last night, they are the heroine skateboards they there's something hypnotic about them because there's not many boards made in australia that were official with a proper surfboard logo that's all paid for and you know your bane superflexes are great and lovely but totally done under the counter you know i mean you've got mccoy he also did some beautiful boards and he screen printed his logo on the underside. So there's McCoy skateboards. Yes, McCoy surfboards. Have you got one of those? Yeah, I've got one. Um, well, it's it's in the works. It's coming. I haven't got it yet, but um, I know of one that was sold um, to a, a friend of mine who has recently resold it. It's a round nose one. Beautiful graduation from blue to green to yellow. And how they did that graduation, I'm not sure. But it's real a real slab. It's about that thick. And, you know, you've got your standard Chicago trucks, double action on it. But, you know, there's the logo. So, so if there's really no markets anymore and eBay and these other places aren't really fertile grounds for finding things, so is it just your network that you network with? I guess it is. I mean, luckily, um, a, a guy that I met recently, he started collecting. And I only said to him yesterday, I said, if the guy in Melbourne didn't decide to just sell his whole collection out, and then there's a couple of guys in America that had these incredible mint sets of wheels, but huge collections, if they didn't suddenly all start shedding, decide right now is the time for them to sell, and they've made thousands of US dollars on these sets his collection would be far far less in size and another friend of mine decided to sell him like four or five really top quality boards so um unless people make those decisions if you're coming into the the area now you you have no chance of getting anything good but um like he got the mccoy I managed to get a couple of mint golden breeds first series out of it, and they're super hard to get. Their their values it's a thousand dollars. That's where it begins when you're talking mint golden breeds, and the the McCoy that that's a six hundred dollar minimum. You you could not unless you bought it in a garage sale. You're not going to get it any cheaper. If someone um made a reissue, an unofficial reissue of a golden breed, that's going to be like mint perfect what would that be worth well that's that's hard to determine because you've really if you're going to make a mint golden breed then you've got to you're supposed to put chicago trucks double action trucks on it and and a mint set of at least metaflex dragsters or surfers so where are you going to get all those other things it's it's a it's it's hard enough to, to remanufacture a layered fiberglass board and go to all that trouble, and most people wouldn't. But then to... When you're saying a mint board, like it's a mint uh, golden breed would be $1,000, you're talking about trucks and wheels or just the board? 
Um, the trucks and the wheels usually would come with it, but I would pay. I would pay for the deck because I know that I can always put that deck aside and wait for those other parts to come. So, is there a difference in price between a deck and a complete? Well, you don't usually get the option, but uh, there's usually like lightly used trucks and wheels on on a mint board, you know, because if it is mint, that means for some reason, like for instance, the one that I bought, it was a set of three golden breeds. He used two of them, but one of them was his special one he never touched. And and, and that is like so, (laughs) so rare to look at it and to feel it. I remember I showed it to you and you said, this is brand new, you've made it. And I said, no, it's it's original. It's just so rare to see something like that and and that that happens like once in a lifetime Mm. as far as i'm concerned so when i didn't originally buy that as a set um i regretted it but then i got the chance to get them later and i didn't hesitate then you know you just find the money for it you have to because you know you're not going to get another chance like that but what you're saying about newly manufactured I, I don't know about the the price of I, I think it would be better to just put modern a modern truck pattern on them and then that's what people do nowadays they buy a deck they get a tr- trucks so and they get the wheels that they want uh, I mean you can sell completes like you do but also people like to pick and choose what they want so it would be nice to see a beautiful fiberglass golden breed board and be able to put it together the way you like because um, if I was to make Golden Breeds again then that's probably what I would do I'd like to see them on you know, on the Golden Breed website that would be <laughs> interesting What are the plans for the collection in the future? Do you see yourself having a Yeah, I want to make a, a vintage display stand that would hold about maybe 20 boards that's just for maybe for one section maybe Baines you know like all the complete stock standard mint boards I'd put them in a display it's like here's all the mint boards hard enough to do here's a display stand all routed out with wood but what I there's a guy in Melbourne um, named Danny and he has got a garage that's the walls are painted black and he's got these strange little or little wooden things to hold boards and they're all like shingles they're all overlapping each other and there's hundreds hundreds in there and I've seen those pictures as soon as I saw that I thought yeah that's me (laughs) you're going to have a garage like that one day oh no it'll be inside it'll be the living room yeah it could be a few um... you know the museum of modern art or city museum if they wanted a display would you do oh absolutely i would love to do that just so people you know they do it with surfboards all the time but i think with skateboards that would be amazing to to see you know with a few other collectors and my boards together as a combined display would be great because you could really get a you know a really fantastic cross-section of so many you know by the hundreds that it's always nice to see a, a great-looking board on its own, but when you see them all displayed together, it's just it's overwhelming, you know. Like, I guess, like anything, it's. Um, so you're never going to stop collecting. No, 
And, and there's never too many uh, golden braids? No, no, there never is. I haven't got them all. So I heard about, did I tell you about the Cole Crawford one? No. Cole Crawford's a... Are we putting this on the podcast? Yeah, why not? <laughs> well, he he came in apparently into um, into Bennett Surfboards and I think it was his son's birthday or something. And he said, uh, what's that board there hanging up? I want that for my son's birthday or something. And it was a display Golden Breed first series, but it was black. And they had like a a silver metaflake or it was a gold metaflake I don't know which one just to show there's a background for the logo can still stand out on it and they said that's not for sale you know you just take from any of the standard boards here but that, that one's you know like specially made to display and he goes I'll give you 200 bucks for it and they're sold <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he gave him a couple of hundred bucks which is a high roller you know but uh, I would love to know where that board is I mean, if he gave it to his son, it's just been it's focused. Been and it's been resold, uh, probably not treasured or anything, because at the time it would have been just treated like any other skateboard. So it's a Bane or a Golden Breed? It's a Golden Breed. But you don't know what type of logo? Yeah, it's the first series. No, no, like a gold logo on black or... Oh, no, no it's a black logo on a black board, but there's gold or silver, Metaflake, in the resin right yeah. so it just could just be able to stand out they must have put quite a lot of the metaflake in there but it would look good in the sun it would be glinting and be quite spectacular but that is one of the boards that will be remade <laughs> oh yes right. i will have it <laughs> so is this uh in the current remake yeah, yeah that's that's one that's been requested when, whenever i've told that story to anyone that's direct from Bennett's um, and I've mentioned it to other people that are interested in Golden Breeze they think oh I'd love one of those and who told you the story originally that was told to me um, at Bennett surfboards because the, the people that work there remember this you know this character coming in you know Mr Car Dealer big shot from up the road so do you think the staff made that decision or do you think um Bennett sure. said it may have been Barry because Barry's office is just behind the the show the showroom so they may have gone and asked him can we sell it or they may have asked uh, the production manager Mr Laycock uh, you know because he's he made it he was responsible for it and um, you know I guess they would have had to have gone out the back and asked can, can we sell the display board and the guy's offering a couple hundred bucks you know do you want to take it <laughs> Because you know. uh, something like that happened at my skate shop. So the second hop shop we had, I had a series of reissued boards through Old Man Army, and I had the three. There were three, so I had the three, oh, and yeah. the staff sold one of them. Someone came in, and so I was like, uh, "Yeah, the, the <laughs> now only have two out of three. It's like, yeah, what are you doing?" <laughs> But we got a really good price. I'm like, yeah, some things, sometimes it's not about price. Yeah, you don't work here anymore. Do you know that? I'll see you later. <laughs> so what do you do with the other two? Do you just go, oh, I might as well sell those now because I haven't got the three? I sold one, but I kept one. Your favourite? No, 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 it wasn't my favourite, but it was Errol's board. So Adrian Jones, he still skates. Oh. And he, I believe he still skates on that board. Because wow. they were a pro board for him, 
Right. And I said to him, because when I had I had all these, um, uh, his all his old pro boards and models and so forth, and when I was selling them. Mm. I offered them to him. I said, oh, like, do you want some of these old boards that I have? And he said, no, I've got my own. So right. I sold them. But the that particular one I offered to him and I said, do you want it? He said, yeah, yeah, because they can't be made anymore. I've only down to my last one. Wow. Um, and so I think, well, it's I still have it. And oh. I was going to trade it for an interview, and I haven't done the interview yet. So, oh. Oh, well. <laughs> hopefully, he hasn't moved onto another port. Good anyway. bargaining tool. Yeah, good bargaining tool. Yeah. Uh, he might have it already. I don't know. I have to check. But anyway, okay. That might be it. We might wrap mm. it up. I mean, okay. we could talk all day. Of course. Uh, there is a limit to what people will listen to. I don't know if I've found that limit yet. But <laughs> yeah. thanks for taking the time to talk. See you next week on the next episode. That will be the conversation I had with Ryan at Subsonic Skateboards. That is a great interview. You don't want to miss that one. Hop out. Are we going to turn? Are we going to turn it right off? We can't well, turn it down. Yeah. I'll, hang on. I'll play it and somehow make this thing.